0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So, imagine with me that you've gone out hiking in the mountains. You guys done that? How many of you have done it, right? Beautiful, beautiful, right? Getting this time of year, especially the colors and so imagine you've gone out hiking and you're out there on your own. You're hiking down the trails, up the hills, and, and you're really enjoying the view. And, and uh, at some point, as you're going through, it's in the afternoon, and you start to look and you feel like, this doesn't, this doesn't quite look right. It doesn't seem like, I'm not sure if I'm still on the trail. And, and, and you, think, you think about it for a while, I say, no, no, I must still be on the trail, you know? And so you just keep pressing on, you know, up and over and around, and you keep going. And it starts to get later in the afternoon and you realize you aren't ending up where you thought you were gonna end up. And so you stop again and you look back and, and you realize that you must have missed a turn in the trail a couple of hours ago. And now you don't know where you are. You're lost. Yeah, not that big of a deal. So I wanna retrace your steps. But you turn around and you, re- you just, it doesn't look familiar. It definitely doesn't look like a trail going back that way. And, and, and so you don't know what to do. And now, you know, the sun is getting real low. It's up there on the horizon. It's going to go down in a little bit. And, and so you're, you're trying to figure out which way to go. And, and finally you realize, you know, as the sun sinks below the, the horizon, that you probably, you're just going you to need to hunker down and just stay here for the night. You're lost. And about this time, the wind picks up. And then clouds roll in and it begins to rain. And you're cold and you try to find, you find a little outcropping where you can kind of get out of the rain more or less, but you're already wet and the wind's blowing. And, and you start to think about hypothermia, right? That could kill you in the mountains, couldn't it? And, and, and you're there and you're thinking about this, it's dark, the wind's blowing, the rain's falling. you are lost as can be. And you realize you didn't tell anybody where you were going. And so that means nobody's coming looking for you. That'd be a pretty tough place to be in, wouldn't it? And that even if they did come look for you, I mean, two or three days and you don't show up somewhere, they're gonna come, but they don't know where to look. And so here you are, you are lost, absolutely lost, and no one, is coming looking for you. That's a bad place to be, isn't it? Lost and no one's looking. Well, you know, I think we we rub shoulders with people like that every day. People who don't know the truth, people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, do not have a saving relationship with him and then they aren't on the right trail, they aren't on the right path, they're going their own way, they're trying to figure it out, and, and we walk back and forth past them, and they are lost. They don't even realize they're lost many times, sometimes they do, but they're lost and they don't know it. And the sad part is this, like, no one's looking. No one's out there looking for them. Does anybody besides me feel like that's not right? That we should have all these lost people around us and I'll just make it personal, and we aren't really looking for them. We aren't out searching for them. They're lost and and the end result of that is that they stay lost the rest of their life, they die lost. They are lost forever a place of torment. Someone needs to be looking for them, doesn't it? Somebody needs to be looking for lost people. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is looking for them. He said in Luke chapter 19, he says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus I came into the world to seek and to look for lost people. I, I'm coming so that I can save them, so they can be saved, right? They can have their sins forgiven, they can receive eternal life. Jesus looking for them. Well, now, now Jesus left the earth. And, and he said to us, he gives this wonderful promise, he says, if I be lifted up, talking about on the cross, if I be lifted up, I'm gonna draw all men to me. And so he says that, that, that he is working in the world to draw people to himself. But whose responsibility is it now to be looking for the lost? The end of John's Gospel, Jesus talking to his disciples, he says to them this, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. I also send you. I came to seek and to save the lost, and now I'm sending you to do the same. Go look for those lost people. Go find them, seek them out so that they might be saved. And so it's, it's our job, isn't it? That's what he said. I'm sending you out to do what I came to do. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Second Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to pick up one from under the chairs there in front of you. We're gonna be on page 1329. That and the next page, 1329. So our job is seeking the lost. Here in chapter five, the Apostle Paul has talked about that life is short and we're all gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Those of us who are believers who have Uh, been saved, uh, we received Christ as Savior, and and we'll be that judgment there, and uh, God is going to evaluate what we've done with our lives, whether we did the things that he called us to do or not, and how we did them, what our heart was about that. And um, the Apostle Paul, you know, says, so this really isn't about us, it's about the Lord and what he wants. And so let's pick up in verse 14. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. So let's just stop right there. What's compelling you today? What is it that drives your decisions? When you have a decision to make, what am I gonna do now? What am I gonna do next? What's my attitude going to be while I do it? What's driving your decisions? What's driving your life? And man, there are lots of things that can drive our life, aren't there? You know, I mean, our jobs can drive our lives. Uh, uh, Relationships can drive our lives. Money can drive our lives. Uh, All sorts of things can drive our lives, but the Apostle Paul here says that it needs to be the love of Christ that drives us. It compels us. Compels us to do what God has given us to do. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, and now he's gonna talk about um, the gospel, and he's going to talk about what it should mean in our lives as Christians. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So Jesus died for all of us, and those of us who have come to understand that, right, we, we were lost, right? In fact, tell you what, before we go any farther, just let me, let's talk about this idea of being lost for a little bit. Think about this, the lost. And this just comes from just a few New Testament books. And I I know we could go through Scripture and find a lot more. The lost have no peace with God. They have no access to God. They have no hope from God in life's difficulties. They have no love of God in their hearts. They have no unconditional acceptance, no redemption, no forgiveness, no future hope. In addition, they have a spiritual deadness deep inside. They are under the influence of Satan and and they are driven by the lust of the flesh. Their minds are corrupted and their nature earns them God's wrath. They have no promise that all things work together for good. They're guilty before God and God is not their father but their judge. They have an unmet longing for unconditional love. They are alienated from the people in their lives with no hope for the kind of intimacy that they really long for. And they're still laboring under the power of darkness. Lost. That's a terrible place to be, isn't it? So are we better than them? What's our claim to fame? I once was lost but somebody found me. Somebody found me, somebody came looking for me. And now I'm found. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about, this this gospel message and and what we ought to be doing because we have been found, because that description is no longer us because God has saved us and and changed so many things. Verse verse 15, again, he died for all those who live, that's us, we've received Christ as Savior, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What are you living for? What's compelling you? Is it the love of God? What are you living for? Something besides for the Lord? I mean, once again, if, if we asked when we came in today, right, are, you, are we supposed to be living for the Lord? We'd all say what? I'm with you, that's right. But then we'd say, wait a minute, well, let's look at our lives. Let's answer that question by looking at our lives. Are we really living for the Lord? You see, you see a nice little addition that we have? Or see the main thing, the big thing. So Paul says here he ought to be. Verse 16, he says, therefore, because we're not gonna live for ourselves anymore but for the Lord, therefore from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. And I think the idea here is this, that uh, when we start saying I'm living my life for God, my life is what he wants it to be, our relationships are no longer just this way there is now a spiritual dynamic to this relationship. Does that make sense? That, that there's a spiritual dynamic. And, and every person that we have a relationship with is no longer just how are we getting along here. It, it's the question is, does this person know Christ? If this person does know Christ, where are they at? What can I do to be of help to them? What can I learn from them? but it's no longer just go about your business life if we're gonna live for Christ. And man, is it easy to just go about your business every day? It is, isn't it? And we gotta go about our business every day, but the problem is we need to make sure that our business is no longer just our business, but that our business is God's business. And so all we go through the day, no longer just doing our own thing, no longer just knowing people according to the flesh, but there's a spiritual dynamic all the way through. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm trying to be alert and aware. What's he want me to do here? How does he want me to respond? Does this person know Christ? And and we start to become on the lookout for lost people. We start looking. Because you know as well as I do, can't you go through an entire day and and talk to people, talk to them on the phone, text them, uh, walk by them, talk to them at the grocery store, the bank, whatever. You just go right by and never give a thought to where those people are at spiritually. That's easy enough to do, isn't it? But if we start saying, no, 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 my life is about the Lord and living it for Him, that needs to change. And, And we can't reach every person that walks by us. We know that. But man, we ought to be caring about it. We'll get more about that. Um, And by the way, I I, I don't want to come across as scolding because man, I'm talking to me. Okay. Talking to me, talking to us. And I know what our heart's desires really are. So anyway, let's, let's read on here. Verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, praise the Lord for that. Old things have passed away, behold all things have become new, and that ought to include how we're living our lives, and here's what I want you to see. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So let's make sure we understand what it is that God has done for us here. This idea of reconciliation. Have you ever found yourself in a situation, in a relationship where you were not at all reconciled to somebody, right? There was something between you that kept you from being with each other and being okay with each other. Something has happened. Somebody has done something, whatever. There is this huge obstacle that is in the way. Well, that's the way it is for every one of us when we are born. We are born with a nature actually from conception, <laughs> but we have this nature that is self-focused, self-centered, want to do our own thing, and as a result, we rebel against what's right. We do what we want instead of what's right. We, we rebel against God even if we aren't conscious of it. We go our way, we do our own thing, and that is a huge obstacle between us and God, our sinfulness and our sinful nature, and it is there. And, but, so God chose to overcome that. Because he loves us, he, he did something for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, uh, who you know, lives a perfect and sinless life, dies on the cross. The Bible says as he dies on the cross that God placed every one of my sins, which are, are many, 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 on Christ. And he died paying the penalty for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. And what he says here is that, let's look at it, verse, um, Nineteen. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So here's the thing. From God's side, he has removed the obstacle of sin in our relationship with him. He has paid the penalty in full. He has removed all of that out of the way. How many sins did Jesus die for? All of them. Everybody sins in the whole world. He has removed that obstacle. He has dealt with it. He is there, there's nothing on God's side preventing the reconciliation. It's on our side, isn't it? It's on the human side. And that, what to happen is we need to come to know and understand this truth of what God has done for us And then we need to humble ourselves before God and say, oh yes, God, I have sin. I need a savior. But God has done everything on his part. Now, does the world understand that, that God has done everything on his part? Does the world know that all they have to do is humble themselves before him and receive? They don't, they are what? Lost. So let's look back here. Those two verses again. Verse 17, therefore, no, verse 18. Now all things were of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, look, and has given what? Given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation or the message of reconciliation. He's committed the gospel to us. It gets pretty clear, doesn't it? Our ministry is to take the message of reconciliation and give it to people who were lost, to go find those lost people and share the gospel with them. Now, will they all get saved? No, they won't, sadly. But if we take the gospel, keep taking the gospel to people, people will get saved. You guys are living proof of it, aren't you? Somebody brought the gospel to you and you what? You got saved. And so God has given us this ministry and this message and we are to be giving it out. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so God has left us uh, as his representatives, just as an ambassador represents the president of the United States in another country and speaks on his behalf, God has left us here and we speak on God's behalf and we don't just speak, it's what we plead with you, we implore you. This is an active, on purpose, looking for the lost and engaging with them and and bringing them the gospel and saying, be saved, receive Christ. So is it clear that it's our job? I'm actually asking you that question. Does it seem clear that it's our job? Okay. It's our job to seek the lost, to be looking for them to be going to them to, so they can be saved, so they can be rescued. And one thing I've learned over the years uh, in my own life about me, and then about preaching as a result, and, and I still have a tendency to do it sometimes, it's like, okay, God said it's our job. Go do it. And once again, if I ask you in the beginning we started today, is it our job to reach the lost? You'd have gone, oh yeah but we can know it's our job and we can say we believe it's our job and still somehow rather manage not to do our job, not to think about it. It gets on the back burner. (sighs) So when we think about this as as a church here, some witnessing happens. It does, and thank God for that. And thank you for every time you have ever opened up your mouth and shared your, your faith, or or invited someone, you know, or got involved. Help that that does happen. I just don't think it happens nearly as much as it should. Um, I know it doesn't with me. There's a quote in our, our, of the study that our life groups are doing, and, and I don't know the source of it, but it says this that 90% of American Christians will never openly share the gospel with an unsafe person. And I don't know if 90% is the right number or not, but I do know that it's got to be awfully high. And so, what I want to do right now, let's just do a little inventory for ourselves. Just right now, this is going to be a little little awkward for you, but would you just look around? Look around the church right now. Look around. Look around at the people at the church, okay? Take a little inventory. All right, that's good. (laughs) Now, who did you see when you looked around who came to Christ because you shared the gospel with them? Or maybe because you invited them to come where they heard the gospel? I think most of us here would have to look around and say, There ain't nobody. I just can't but think if we're, if we're doing our job, we would be able to look around like that, wouldn't we? And see some people that we have shared our faith with and who got saved and who are here. And, and some of you probably could, and praise the Lord for that. But here's the other thing that I think is that, that I know that, that that has happened here. Some of you are here today because that has happened, but I think when we look at it, we look back and you know, yeah, I did do that, this person is here and saved because 20 years ago, I, you see what I'm saying? We don't finish this job until we finish breathing. And so I mean, myself, I think about it, I, obviously as the pastor, I have an opportunity, I get to talk about the gospel up here. I get to sometimes give people an opportunity to pray and get saved. I, I, and as a pastor, sometimes I end up with connections and relationships where I share the gospel and people get saved. That's awesome. Uh, but I'm a Christian, too. That's good to know, isn't it? <laughs> I'm a Christian, too, and I have responsibility. And yes, as I think back, I can think about, you know, in the past five, 10 years, there are a few people that I have witnessed to out there and who've led to Christ, but man, It's not at all like I'm walking through life looking for lost people, but that's gotta change. It has to change. This is what what God has, has given us to do. So if we know that we're supposed to be doing it, we know it, and yet somehow we aren't really doing it, what's going on? What's, what's the issue of our hearts? Maybe we're fearful. Uh, maybe we aren't really willing. We aren't unwilling, but we aren't really willing. You know what I mean? We aren't conscious saying, no, I would never do that, but yes, we aren't really willing to do it. But you know that so whatever is keeping us from it ultimately boils down to being a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Because the things our hearts are hot about, we do. And the things that aren't, we don't. So it's a hard issue. Proverbs tells us, it says to, to keep your heart, to guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life, including this issue of sharing your faith. There's a hard issue. The heart has to be settled, the heart has to be in the right place with God. So what's God's heart like for the lost? I mean, we know John 3:16, right? Why don't you say it with me if you know it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His heart he loves so much that he sent, right? Paid a huge price. How much did he value the lost? When Jesus is here on earth, one example, uh, in in, uh, the end of Matthew chapter nine, it says that when he saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion. Because he saw their need, it tells us. Do you see multitudes of people every day? In fact, that's one of the things that works against us. We just go by so many people every day. And that, that happens. But we need a heart change, see? When we see the multitudes, we need to be... Moved with compassion for them. Does that make sense? Okay, see, so we need, our hearts changed. We need God to change our hearts. We need to cooperate with him in that. Jesus, when he was, uh, uh, had come to see, uh, Lazarus had died, and he came to visit the sisters and see what was going on, and it tells us how he responded to the grief of the people who were there. John chapter 11, when Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who came with her weeping, he what? He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus wept because of what sin had done and death and all of that. He wept. When was the last time you wept over somebody who doesn't know the Lord? Long time for me when I'm thinking specific. But we ought to be moved with compassion. Compassion. And we ought to find ourselves grieved that these people do not know the Lord and they're on the way to a Christless eternity. The apostle Paul picked up the heart of Christ. Let God change his heart. and He talks about how he feels about his fellow Israelites and who don't know the Lord. And he says this in Romans 9, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart for my brethren, my countrymen, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. My guess is, based on my personal experience and experience with you, and, um, is that when our hearts aren't where they need to be with respect to reaching the lost, we also are not praying for them either. Yeah, maybe here and there. You know what I mean? Paul says, "What? I am so grieved. I am so sorrow. My heart says so the prayer of my heart to God is that these people would be saved." You see, the more that we you know, we have it right up here. This summarizes things from the Bible. We surrender to the Lord, we say yes to Him, whatever He says to us. We grow to be like the Lord. What is the Lord's heart for people? What is the Lord's heart for the laws? If we're growing to be like Him, guess what's gonna happen to our hearts? More and more, our hearts are gonna be like His, like the Apostle Paul, gonna come on, they're gonna be aligned with Him in His hearts. and as our hearts get aligned with Him, we're automatically going to want to tell. You see how I saying it is a heart issue. The heart is where this is stopping. The heart is where this is getting locked up. It's not the mind. It's not opportunities. It's, it's the heart. And I'm going to say something really strong, okay, to all of us. Now listen to this. If we have a Christianity that focuses on surrender and we worship God and we're focusing on growing to be like the Lord, but we do not tell. Tell is not part of our Christianity. That is not biblical Christianity. That is a perversion of Christianity. There is no true Christianity that does not include looking for the lost. It stops being Christian because Christian is what? the Lord Jesus Christ coming from heaven to seek and to save the lost. Oh, and by the way, it's now your ministry. And so we find ourselves, you know, like I said, well, I I don't know how. You know, that can be legit, can't it? I, I don't know how. I don't know how to bring it up. I don't know how to have the conversation. I don't know how to answer the questions. I don't know how. You know, that can be legit, but the problem is you cannot let that stand and become an excuse for you not to share your faith. If you don't know how, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Learn how. Take advantage. Figure out how to to do this. Because here's the deal, you know, your lack of knowledge, even your lack of experience can be remedied. Your lack of willingness cannot. my lack of willingness cannot be remedied, except by me, saying, oh God, change my heart. I don't know how to do this, but oh God, teach me, help me to learn somehow, let me find a way. God, I don't even know where the opportunities lie, help me to see them. I cannot let this stand the way it is. I can't, the status quo is no good anymore. Give an example. I mean, so here we have coming up, and right now we have a, a Life Source U class that it's about how do you deal with hard questions, and our real goal in that class is not to give you all these awesome answers to convince people with. Our biggest goal is for you to be absolutely confident about what you believe. You'll do fine if you're confident in what you believe. Starting in January, we're beginning. It's going to be two sessions of two eight-week sessions uh, of Uh, Evangelism for the tongue-tied. Do you ever feel tongue-tied when all of a sudden there's someone in front of you and you think, maybe I had a witness to go So there are ways for you to learn, okay? And and you don't have to take those classes to learn, but there are ways for you to learn, okay? Take advantage of them. And so, whether it's fear, whether it's willingness, whether it's the wrong priorities or whatever it is, all those things are issues of our hearts. And I wanna really encourage you today, and I'm encouraging and challenging myself, that we need to open up our hearts to God about this and to other people because the openness of your heart to God and to others will determine the openness of your mouth in witnessing. That make sense? God, I'm open to you, you've given me this you saved me and you've given me this to do I want to seek those lost people. I don't want them to be out there lost with nobody looking. I want to do that. And God, I care about them. And you think about their loss, your heart opens to them. And if that's the case, at some point, your mouth is going to open and you'll speak of Jesus. Now, I've said this in, in past weeks and I say it again. We're not talking about some cookie cutter approach to witnessing. We're not saying we're all gonna learn, okay, you have to say this now and then say that now and answer this, you know, hey, 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 ey, witnesses. No, God has made us differently, we get that, right? And so some of us are really good at one thing, some of us are good at another. And by the way, that's, that's one of the reasons that, that all these kinds of opportunities are, are so valuable, because there's lots of ways for you to get involved in. I wanna reach people. And I can do this, I can do that, I can help in this way, man, I can bring in 12 bags of candy next week. Now, I think if if our hearts get where they need to be with God, and our hearts get to be where they need to be with these people who are lost and need to, to be found, and so we start engaging with that, God's gonna bring us those places where all of a sudden we actually witness ourselves, right? It may sound silly, but because you put it in you pray about trunk or treat and you bring candy in next week, you purposely go and buy it as you buy it. You say, oh God, somehow I'd rather help this candy reach people for Christ. And, and you do that. At some point, one day you're going to find yourself actually talking about Jesus to somebody. And it started back when you said, I'll bring candy. So we need to surrender to the Lord. He's, he's given us the job. He's saved us. He's the Lord. We need to grow to be like the Lord, which means we need to, to develop the heart of God for these people, for the lost, who no one is looking for. We have broken hearts for that. And then we need to, what, tell them, tell others about the Lord, because we are His witnesses. Let's just do this. Let's just bow our heads for a little bit here. I'm not going to ask for any outward response from you today. And I know silence can be a little awkward. But let's just be silent for for God. And would you just, between you and God, just have a little conversation about where you're at with looking for the loss, where's your heart at, what needs to happen. And just surrender to Him. And right now, just take that time. Father, thank you for the promise that you speak to us through your word. And I know you've spoken to us today. I know you've spoken to me. Oh, Father, I, I want to be that witness. I want to seek out those lost people. I want, I, remind me to have a burden for them, to be grief for them, and to be alert to ways that I might connect with them. And if you would then give the opportunity to share the gospel. I pray the same for all of us, Lord. Wherever we're at, we'd say yes to and take a step forward. Wherever we're starting from, just take a step forward in it. God, change us. Change our hearts to be like yours so that we cannot help but be reaching out and looking for those who are lost and need to be found. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you. You are dismissed. Encourage the families who have their little ones here today. And let's uh, bring in candy next week. And let's, let's go out looking for the lost. Thank you.